The Tumbling Saber Podcast is a proud member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Connect with us on Twitter and Facebook. Subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts. Visit our base at StarWarsCommonwealth.com and take your first steps into a larger world. Episode 184 of the Tumbling Saber Podcast. I'm Kyle. I'm Michelle. And I'm Marie. Welcome back, everybody. We're now post San Diego Comic Con, and Michelle is back. Michelle, you've been all over this planet of ours. Like, I know. Do you know what time zone you're in right now? Do you know where you are? No. (laughs) (laughs) That way, you answered that with a lot of confidence. (laughs) <laughs> well, no, that's a lie. I do know that I'm in Los Angeles only because I picked up my dogs today. So I feel like, well, as of like two hours ago. So when they're home, I feel like I'm in like L.A. But um, yeah, they were I when I first got back to. Oh, my God. <laughs> which time actually first got back when I come back from Hawaii? I didn't pick them up. So like. And then I went straight to San Diego, so it was really kind of nuts. And then when I came back last night, last night, yeah, <laughs> I like passed out, and they weren't here. <laughs> and you woke up with Concord. If you had asked me that question this morning, I probably would have said I have no idea. No, that was <laughs> I woke up with Concord on Sunday. Oh, uh, that was fun. Um, but I, to to the con. To the con's credit, it wasn't just, like, con. It was, like, me going out every night with my friends, like, you know, partying. So (laughs) I could have stayed home and gone to sleep, but I didn't. I went out, and then I woke up at, like, 9 in the morning every day to get ready to be at the con. It gets gets harder, Michelle. When you do those nights, when you're out super late to the wee hours, the next day they get harder and harder as you get older. Oh, yeah, that's why on Sunday I woke up with concrete. <laughs> and by the way, guys, like, I, I mean, I'm sure, like, if you've listened to me long enough, you know, like, I don't really go out that much. Like, I'm not. Uh-oh. Not much of a drinker. I, I stay home and watch a lot of television and read a lot of books. So, um, yeah, but it was really fun. I had a really good time. We went to this, like, really, we went to one place that had a couple times that has like a lot of arcade games. So I just like played ski ball a lot nice. and like games. And I made everyone play dance, dance revolution against me, which was fun. <laughs> um, it was really fun. And then we went to this other place called trailer park after dark, which is like a trailer park inside, like a bar downstairs. Like it's really weird, but super cool. Uh, yeah, it was fun. Awesome. Uh, uh, yep. And the tops of my feet are sunburnt because I always am indoors and I don't go outdoors a lot. <laughs> I forgot to put sunblock on the tops of my feet. So they're like so sunburnt. They look so angry red. Like <laughs> it's really bad, guys. Like, you know how it's it's not just a sunburn? Because if you look closely, like you can see like it looks like well now it's not as bad, but like when I looked, you could see like my pores, like you could see like blood. 
like not like blood coming out, but like the blood had risen to the top of the surface and it looked like scary. Like <laughs> not it looked like it was burned, like not like a sunburn, like a real burn. So you look like more like a burn victim than somebody who just it got a lot of sun. It was so bad. It was really bad. And then that day I was wearing this dress that had embroidered flowers like on my sleeves, but my sleeves were see-through. This has nothing to do with Star Wars. I'm so sorry. But like it's really funny, I promise. There were like little embroidered flowers, so when I took my dress off, I was sunburnt through my sleeves, but not the place where there were flower embroidery spots. So my sunburn is like polka dots. Sugar <laughs> <laughs> in my arm is red, and then there's white splotches in amidst the red, like polka dots. And they look kind of very vaguely blobbish but, like, not circular because they're little daisy flowers. It's the weirdest thing. Like, I tried to put tinted sunscreen on it. Didn't help. Oh, no. Like, you're just going to walk around looking like you have hives. That's just the way no, it's going to be. It's really bad. I look like I have some sort of disease. Like, And there were a lot of anti-vaxxers, like, protesting. At <laughs> oh, no. the, oh, my God. Oh, I don't no. know why. Like, why it was anti-vaxxers at Comic-Con, of all places, they're saying, like, uh, vaccines spread germs, apparently, and, like, I don't know, plagues, according to them. But, like, I was so worried. I walked around outside with my sunburn. Like, they'd probably think I was, like, an abomination or something. Wow. You know, we've, we've started this thing now on the podcast where every week we see how long it takes for it to go off the rails. I'm happy to say, no, but this is not the record. Michelle, you you do not have the record. Corey has the record. Corey, right? Yep. I would have assumed. Six seconds. Six seconds. It took him to derail (laughs) the podcast. You've got work to do. I do. I'll just, I'll just start. No, but then we'll get, are we still flagged as mature content? No, that was Patreon. They, (laughs) and we, they, they deflagged us. Okay, good. We're good again. Because I was going to say, like, I don't want to try to top that and like get us flagged so no no we're past uh, that we're past that part Let, let's check in okay, with with cool. marie marie how you doing good good <laughs> <laughs> i didn't do much this weekend but i have a local con coming up um next weekend this upcoming weekend um so i'm really excited about that i'm speaking at three panels Whoa. so that'll be a lot of fun what about that's so exciting yeah, it's um, one panel is the one that I put in for Canon Connections and then Star Wars Everything, which I'm curious to see how that panel goes. That was the title, Star Wars Everything, and then a Galaxy's Edge panel. Since I've been reading the Galaxy's Edge comic series, I was like, I feel like I have something to contribute. So Absolutely. Everything, like in the context of books and comics, or like everything. Which which one? Like, oh no, the panel Star Wars everything. Oh Does yes, ban like the entire property. Yes, or just books and comics. Everything. Oh, so, like gosh. I said, I have no clue how that's gonna roll, but it should be interesting. That is that's so cool. Fun. So I, I, pretty- I've, I've had a, a good time bailing out of all my cons locally. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
right, Montreal Comic Con was a couple weeks ago. I, I slacked out of that this past weekend. We had like even like a little toy con, which I'm like, hey, it's free. What can go wrong? Like, I di- I couldn't even be bothered to do that. So there yeah. were some really cool panels at at Comic Con that I unfortunately missed because they were like at the same time as other things. But we, my friends and I, were talking about how this year at this con because there wasn't really that much um, official Star Wars content in terms of panels because a lot of that is being saved for D23. But there are these really cool, interesting panels where they had like lawyers on a panel talking about uh, whether or not certain uh, storylines or concepts were legally viable and how they would work in the context of the legal system here. And like also laws and like and actions that they would do would work within the legal system in the galaxy about that it's like that yeah and then there was also like the psychology like they had a lot of these types they had these panels for like things like harry potter too like the psychology like there were four psychologists who were talking about the psychology of a patronus and like what does that mean for you like what does it mean for a psyche like psychologically mental health behaviorally and so there were a lot of like there was also like psychology of like the sith and like there was also like religion, religious people talking. It's just really interesting, like the concepts of these panels, and I thought that was really cool. Um, I hope like in the future I can go to one of those. Uh, they sounded really interesting, but not enough to wake me up at like nine o'clock in the morning. So. <laughs> that just sounds uh, terrible. But yeah, it was. I mean, it's they sounded really cool, so I thought that was really interesting. So I hope like more local places would do stuff like that. I mean, I guess it would be harder. But I feel like if local cons did stuff like that, that's like a cool non-official but like interesting panel. I think that would have like a lot of cool conversations locally. No doubt. Yeah. So Marie, when know. is when is this con of yours? Um, it my first panel is Friday night at ten o'clock, um, which is really late, but uh, <laughs> it's this weekend. So it's it was actually the very first con that I ever went to. So that's kind of cool that three, four years later, I'm getting to actually participate in it. Yeah, that's so, amazing. It's pretty cool. Last year, um, it was so funny. The guy, there was this, these two guys who did all the Star Wars panels. And I started talking with one of them and he was like, why aren't you on these panels? And I was like, I just didn't apply. I didn't think to do that and so this year I finally did and they were like hey can you be on these other panels and I was like sure there you go that's how it starts because you you probably had the same mentality that I did when I was listening to all kinds of podcasts but my mindset was oh podcasts aren't for me to do they're just for me to listen to until one day like I decided you know I why can't I do a Star Wars podcast what's so difficult about this that's yeah. a that a lot of um, other podcasters that I met at, at Comic-Con when I was listening to a lot of them and we were talking about like how they got started. A lot of them have the same idea. Like they said like, oh, well, I started my podcast because I was like, well, everyone else is doing it. Like I could do it too. And so they started doing it and then it became something really cool. And it seems to be that like a lot of podcasters think that and like start out that way. And it's like also the same with I think like panelists too where – the first time I was ever on a panel, I was just like, oh, I, I don't feel like I could, I'm qualified. But then when yeah, you, you get, get up you there. You get that imposter syndrome. Yeah. I mean, yeah. 
And then, like, people line up to ask you questions after, and you're like, wow, okay, I guess maybe I was qualified. <laughs> no, you're, you're, you're there for a reason. You were absolutely there yeah. for a reason. And I do talk to my therapist about it, and she's just like, all the healthiest, like, most accomplished people in the world have imposter syndrome. And it's, like, a healthy way for people to want to do better and strive to be better, because if you want to do better the next time, then you keep trying, and then you can only get better the more that you practice. So. Absolutely. All right, let's yeah. let's let's dive headlong here into into jeez, we had we had some San Diego Comic-Con stuff to talk about. Let's let's before we get there, uh I think it was maybe Thursday of last week, we got some news pertaining to the Rise of Skywalker Allegiance four-part series. Did you guys see the the awesome banner art that was released for this? The the photo or not photos, the the images they showed at San Diego Comic-Con? Yeah. Well, uh, I think before that, they kind of released all co- all four covers together as one image. And then... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it looks really amazing. Yeah, Gorgeous. No, was, oh, God. He, I think Marco Cicchetto, who does a lot of covers for these miniseries, I, I think he just that they should just book him for all the covers all the time. He, his covers are amazing. So, so good. Um, anything jump out to you guys about this artwork these any of these four panels let's see i'm going back up to i was on this page keep going um the giant where is it yeah the giant beastie that ray is fighting yeah it looks almost like one of the, a reek from attack of the clones but it looks mutated yeah. and, and extra disease mean. or something yeah I, I don't know if it's the same creature or if it's just drawn and interpreted a different way but this thing looks uh very vicious yeah the, and she's wearing a mask so it's makes me wonder what planet is she on that has i guess a different atmosphere than would normally be breathable yeah you know <laughs> I made a big reach, and I don't. I it's probably not at all in the realm of possibility. But she's wearing that mask, and then she's carrying something in the Rise of Skywalker trailer. And I'm wondering if the canister that is strapped to her hip in this picture is the same sort of breathing apparatus that is that we that maybe she's holding in the Rise of Skywalker trailer. Like, is that like scuba gear, essentially? Because there is there is TFA concept art that shows uh, the Kira character, which was Ray's name before Ray came along, uh, like diving down. Yeah, there's like full on diving concept art where mm-hmm. she's underwater diving. Like you see stuff on the bottom of the ocean. It's very clear, or not ocean, but like in water. It's very clear that she's in water. Yeah, she's like she's scavenging the wreckage of Death Star too. So mm-hmm. I, I wonder if this if that was her in the in the trailer carrying around that scuba gear, and if that if we're seeing that in action in use, maybe it's got you know above above surface and below water applications. But yeah, I, th- I thought that was maybe a bit of a reach, but who knows? Possible, right? Yeah. And I, I was... also noticed about Ray that in she's she's there on the on the bottom left fighting that beast, and she's way over super prominent on the top right in which would be issue four of the series not holding a, or not equipped with her lightsaber anywhere 
So I, I wonder where exactly mm. where on the timeline this, this fits. Maybe she hasn't fit or fixed the, the Skywalker saber yet at this point, which maybe places it right near The Last Jedi. I don't know. But it's, it's great looking cover art across yeah. the board. And then it's cool that there's on issue four, there's a Corrin. Yes. So I think that's really neat that there, it's not just the Mon Calamari that are helping, but possibly the Corrin are helping too. Yeah. Well, I guess let me, let me dive back here to the synopsis. It says uh, very little is known other than in the, res- um, geez, I'm, I'm sorry. I lost my track here. Anyway, it just, we know that very little is known about this, this, the plot. But the resistance is basically out of time and out of options, and and Leia turns to the the Moncala for help. And Moncala. So we're going back. We're going back to visit Akbar's people. Akbar's dead. And with with Maria, like you said, the Quarren. What is that doing there? Is is that uh, you know the Moncala? Maybe they've maybe they turned down the resistance and say we've helped you enough. Uh, it's cost our people countless lives. Akbar is gone. Radis is gone. They're all dead because of you. Get lost. Maybe they they turn Leia away this time, and that's that's why the Quarren are there. Maybe they step in to fill the void this time. Be interesting, for sure. Yeah, I'm. So I'm. Of course, obviously, huh. I'm. I'm going to be uh, picking up that series, no doubt. But now, I guess now we can jump into the. Uh, into the Lucasfilm publishing panel from San Diego Comic-Con. Um, I don't know how we want to do this. I don't know if we need to ju- step through everything that they talked about. Let's Maybe let's just go around. So, Maria, I'll start with you. Uh, what? We'll, we'll finish with with the rise of Kylo Ren. But beyond that, let's, let's go with something that stood out to you, something that's got you excited. Okay, so the thing that I'm most excited about, except for the rise of Kylo Ren, is um, the return to Vader's castle. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I loved that series. It was so good. My only question is, how are they going to frame it this time? Because um, the graphs are, uh, oh gosh, I can't remember her name, but Graph escaped. Um, with a couple people, and I know they lost some along the way, but this will be interesting because it focuses on the bad guys, which is kind of cool. Um, yeah, really cool set of, of, of bad guys here. So uh, issue one is Darth Maul. Issue two is Tarkin. Issue three is Asajj Ventress. Issue four is Jabba. And issue five is just a straight up issue of Darth Vader. Super cool. Super, super cool. I I was really happy to hear this. And I love that they're, they're using Asajj Ventress. Like that's really, really cool. Yes. She's getting a lot of play this year, especially from, from, uh, is it Kevin Scott? That's true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And the artwork on this, the artwork is just so creepy. Like (laughs) the, for the, um, the cover, the, sorry, the green cover, which looks like branches that are snaking up through Darth Vader's helmet. It's so creepy. Yeah, looking. it looks like. Oh yeah, the exclusive cover. It looks like that Darth cool. Vader meets Swamp Thing. Yes. Yes, it's really cool. Yeah, I'm I'm all over this series for sure. Like I I took a gamble <laughs> with um, the first. I'm gonna volume. try to get that that variant cover. 
yeah, I'm, yeah, I will, I will definitely seek out this variant cover. But yeah, I, I took a chance last year that, you know, this IDW stuff sometimes it's a hit and miss, but this was a huge hit for me. They were, they were so fun. So I'm definitely yeah. jumping back in. Uh, yeah, these are all. It's still the same group, right? It's, it's Kevin Scott who's who is doing the the writing and Francesco Frank <clears throat> Francavia doing the art, I believe. Yes. At least he, at least he's doing the covers. So he I'm, is doing the covers. Um, they do have each story is illustrated by a different artist. Oh, okay. And uh, the the Darth Maul. Is being illustrated by Megan Levins. Uh, Grand Moff Tarkin is being illustrated by Kelly Jones. Zaj Ventress is being illustrated by Brokenshire. Sorry if I said that wrong. Uh, Jabba the Hutt is being illustrated by Nicoletta Baldari. And Darth Vader is being illustrated by Charles Paul Wilson III. And the wraparound story is being illustrated by uh, Frank, uh, Francesco Figueroa. Um, yeah, and he did the cover. Both variant and regular. Nice job, um, Michelle. But I think it's cool way to bail us out there. <laughs> of course, but I think it's I think it's cool that they're 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 bringing in different artists and um and they have a different artist doing uh a couple of the other issues uh not not the variant and the official cover but like the weekly covers um so that's cool and uh, I think it'll be nice that they're kind of bringing in like more artists to kind of, you know, play around in the universe. Sure, absolutely. I think kind of, especially with these types of stories where it can lend itself to kind of like more of like a short story or like an omnibus kind of collection vibe that, um, I don't know. I always feel like when I was growing up and I was reading books like that, I really appreciated when they kind of varied the style a few times. So I think it'll be a fun, a fun little read. A lot of people were really excited about the um, the variant cover when we were in the room. So, yeah, these these are just an absolute riot. I feel like you know the IDW side of things is where Star Wars can just have a lot of fun and not not worry too much about the seriousness of canon and being super by the paint, painting by the numbers. They can just go wild on that side, which is what I like about those issues or about that line, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same. And I do have to say the the something I've noticed with the IDW comics, the Star Wars Adventures comics, is that they actually connect a lot of canon. Like it takes Join the Resistance, a young uh, a middle reader series, and puts the main character in a comic book, a Star Wars Adventures comic book. Same thing with the graphs. Um, it was just so cool how everything connects in the IDW series. I love that. Yeah. No, that, that, that connective tissue stuff is, I find more and more that's the kind of thing I thrive on when it comes to this Star Wars stuff. I, I, mm-hmm. I know that's kind of unfair and kind of cheap because I should be in it for the characters and whatever story they're in. But I just love like connecting dots. I, I really do love that part of it. I yeah. feel like... I feel like good stories have a healthy mixture of both um, because I think there should, I mean, we do, there's so many different types of stories and so much different content out there. Like, I don't know if this is selfish of me, but I feel like, you know, we, when we make this decision or this commitment to 
focus all of our well a lot a large portion of our reading time reading you know certain stories in a certain universe and 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 like that loyalty being rewarded is kind of like I don't know it's like something really nice that you get to share like that they're like oh we see you like we know you could be reading so many different other stories but you're choosing to spend your precious time with us. And so here we see you like we're going to give you this, like we're going to give you a greater payoff, like yeah, other that, than just the this one content. Like that, that's the that exact payoff word payoff. Just, that's why like th- this, this universe and this property has such fervent fans because they do reward us in that way where they do give us these like little Easter eggs and little things that only if we do pay attention, like, we get to appreciate on multiple different layers and levels and depths. And I think like, that's why I stick around. Like, I know that's why I stick around um, and devote my time to it. And I think that, that it's so nice that the publishers are also seeing that because there's so many different publishers who publish these books, like Marvel, IDW, Abrams, Penguin Del Rey, like all these different people. And so they're all, they all have their, different quirks and like uh things that they do and i got to like visit the idw booth and everyone there was like so nice and it was really cool like um i don't know it's just kind of nice that they like that you as a fan you realize like that the people who are publishing and putting these books out also care about the stories as much as you do so that you know that they're trying to do it with like the utmost care and and thought yeah, so, that's one I thing that's that kind of bristled me about fandom a little bit in the last year. Not not to go down this road, but when you get that kind of criticism that they're hiring writers that don't know Star Wars or don't that don't care about Star Wars, like hey, shut shut up! <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> they do all of, of the people do. who they care so much. Like at the panel, like the one thing. The first thing they did was go down and talk about like who their most favorite characters are in the universe and like who there are their like who who are their most favorite characters to write or draw and then like it slowly went to like well my favorite as a fan is this one but as a writer it's this one and then as an artist it's this one so you can tell like they're all so passionate like about the characters and the story and all the writers and the publishers like they do really care so it's just like when people say that they're like, oh, these people don't care. I'm like, well, I don't – who are you – like, are you watching the same people and, like, following the same people that I am? Because – They care. It's clear to me Hugely. that they care. Like, yeah. they care a lot and they know a lot of stuff. And, yeah, it's really great. I, I really appreciate that because it – I feel like if you actually read – the people who say that aren't actually reading the material because if you read the material, it bleeds through the page that they care. Yeah. And I think – Yeah. Um. You know, like some of my not just like some of my favorite books, like in Star Wars, but some of my favorite books of all time are written in this universe by these people. So I don't know. It's like I feel like that's it's a a dream job. It's like you don't so many of these people like this is the thing that they either never thought they'd get the chance to do because it's too huge of a dream. But here they are. Oh, yeah. Or it's like something that they've been striving for and finally get the, the crack at it. And so they're like. I'm not going to screw this up. Yeah. And that's why like they're so tight lipped too about like certain projects, (laughs) project luminous, like they will not, 
say anything oh. they can't because they know how special it is that they get to be a part of these things and they're not trying to get fired. So as much <laughs> as I wish like I could get these morsels, like I respect like that they will not do anything to jeopardize like their job. Yeah, we'll t- we'll touch on Project it. Luminous at the end here. Um no, we- <laughs> the, the one I, I there's so much to, like I don't even my head is spinning when I I, I kind of made a, a list in my head of all the stuff that's coming between now and the end of the year. There's just no way I'm going to be able to keep up with as much as I want. Like just like comics alone is going to kill me, but yeah. The amount of books that are coming, like the, the we, we, they touched on Black Spire and Resistance Reborn, Reborn from Delilah Dawson and Rebecca Roanhorse. And, you know, of course, they weren't allowed I'm... to give up any details, but the uh, Michael Siglane was, I think, was he moderating that panel? Yes. And he said he kind of called it required reading for leading up to Rise of Skywalker, which, you know, oh, no, yes. it's not. But, it's you know, given that you're that we're here now book bookworm star wars bookworms like okay fine like for to us maybe it's required reading because we're here talking about books and presumably we care um but i mean to to the, to the casual to everybody else it's not required reading but i i am super stoked for both of these i'm so upset with myself because okay sunday morning i went back to the booth to pick up to try to get another copy of myths and fables for someone and they had sold out like friday morning um but so i bought other books but when i was there checking out i took a photo and i didn't realize because i think i blacked out but i looked at the photo later and i realized they had finished copies of resistance reborn and black spire out and they were like out soon and I didn't pick it up and look inside it, which I could have. <laughs> and I am like shooting myself. Like, why didn't I look at it? I would have had the scoop. Like, I could have. Ah, I'm so mad at myself. And so this was my frustration last night before bed. And I felt like I had to share this information because I'm hitting myself in the head. Like, why did I? No, we all have those moments where it's like, what? I, you, you freeze but like it was a deer there. in the headlights they and you just have... make a dumb choice. Yep, but they did have a finished copy. It was beautiful. It was pretty. And yes, at the panel, the only thing that they could say was that um, they looked at the, they looked at the cover art, which they had up on the screen to the right of the stage, and just listed the characters that are drawn on the cover, and were like, "Leia's in it, Poe's in it." Like, that's all they said. Yeah. They, there was no information. They gave us, like, the like, obvious of obvious answers. They're like, and Finn might be in it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for He's nothing. He's on the cover. Thank you. Um, yeah. But it sounds really cool. Yeah, but I think both of those books are going to be really, really great for, for laying some groundwork going into to Rise of Skywalker. Like, I, I'm looking for the book... That is going to do for for me, with, for the run-up to this movie, in the way that The Legends of Luke Skywalker did for me in, in leading up to The Last Jedi. That book that is just going to take my head, which is now going over this way, thinking about things that way, and just just put it back on track and go, no, this is where we're going. Because that, that Rise of, or Legends of Luke Skywalker book was weird, 
but it <laughs> it put my head back in the right place in terms of what to expect from Luke. All right, Michelle, what's got you stoked? What beyond what we've mentioned? What what's got you excited from from the panel? Um, well, a few things, obviously. Um, I do. I did start reading. Well, uh, one of the thing, well, a few of the things, uh, I got to do because I was at start at Comic Con. Um, was they do they did have some of the books available for sale that are, uh, a first before they go to market a wide release. So I was able to purchase, uh, Star Wars myths and fables, and I started reading it, and it's really good. Nice. Um, it's really really cool. Uh, it's told in like kind of an old world fable like, um, fable, like Greek myth type vibe. Uh, yeah. George Mann kind of said he was like sort of tapping into like Aesop fables type, type. Yes. Stories. Ve- uh, yes. It, it's, it's very cool. There's an introduction that begins like kind of before any of the stories, um, are being listed. And it's like just four pages and it just talks about it kind of it's kind of like what I would think is like a book, a fable book version of the crawl before the movie where it's kind of like giving you like setting the mood and the tone of the book. Um, And and none of the characters have like names or anything, Um, but it's more like uh, it's like the knight and the dragon is one story. That's the first story. And. Um, so it's more kind of like it gives this type of uh, mythic, like legendy tale that like any if you, by reading it, you can put your own self into uh, the position where you can see like the characters. You can imagine like the characters of Star Wars growing up, they would have listened to these stories and these stories would have been what shaped and molded them into wanting to, you know, become a knight or uh, you know, become part like work in politics or, you know, these, these stories would have shaped these people, these characters into who they are. So reading that and thinking about these stories in that context, um, was really brilliant and, uh, I'm really loving it. I want to kind of like pace myself as I read it. So I don't want to read like more, I'm trying to read them before bed, kind of like in a fable vibe. Um, just kind of like evocative of when you read like a bedtime story or something. I don't know. It's really fun. The artwork is really great. Um, and I picked up uh, a, what's it called? Um, a Crash of Fate by Zoraida Cordova. And um, I'm really excited to read it. It looks really good. Uh, and then I got the exclusive cover of Thon Treason. And then there was an iconic <laughs> cover of, uh, I got the audiobook as well, and I actually got extras. So I will most likely be doing a Twitter giveaway Ooh. of the hardcover Thrawn exclusive Thrawn, uh, Thrawn Treason and then the audiobook as well. So, like, take a look for that. Um, but Rick, I'm really paging, paging Rick. <laughs> I know, Rick wants one. Um, he was saying I, I they still had extra copies and so I retweeted that and he was like I want one. Um, anyway, I'm really really excited about this. Uh, from Insight Editions, they have a uh, adult novelty book 
uh, called uh, The Ultimate Pop-Up Galaxy, and uh, it looks really cool. It pops up. The entire book pops up into, like, a pop-up book. It's It was really rad. Everyone in the room was, like, visibly Yeah, I heard that. I, I've heard the panel, uh, and, yeah, people were, act, like, blown away by like, this book. Yeah, and everyone was, like, and the people who worked on it were really, really, really um, impressed. And then I'm also really excited uh, for the Star Wars Ships and Battles uh, nonfiction reference book. Um, which is Journey to the Rise of Skywalker, movie making magic, ships and battles. Um, and it just goes through, it's just like one of those reference books and it talks about all the different type, like it talks about TIE fighters and the speeder and the land speeder. And it just, it's um, marketed for kids nonfiction, but it's like all ages. And I really just love these art books and reference books and movie making books. I think um, they're really cool. But, yeah, the, the visual uh, dictionary yeah. goes in that group as well, which looks yeah. super cool with that Knight of Ren on it. Oof, man. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. yeah, it looks beautiful. Like, I just, I'm really excited about the the big, like, um, there's like a Skywalker saga book coming from, like, Lucasfilm. And, like, it's just, it looks you know, really so rad. Yeah, just and to then... pause you on that one. Like, that book bothers me. And, and it's not. Really? I, I, yeah. I, no, I, I like love. the art. It looks cool. Yeah, like Brian Root is his art is terrific. Delilah S. Dawson is terrific. I don't know why they're choosing to do this book now. It's like this the Skywalker yeah. like this should have come out next year. Yeah, yeah. It shouldn't have come out now. It should have come out next year. It's really bizarre. Well, it's like I just finished a book called Who's Who in the Galaxy Character Storybook. Ooh. And it is um, the Phantom Menace through The Last Jedi. And it's like, why did this book come out now? Like, I don't understand. Doesn't make any sense. I think the answer yeah. is because because they can. And they can re-release one next year, updated. And people, like, you'll buy another one next year. That's true. It's true. <laughs> they, they, they know this. Why do- I'm going to wait. Like, let's be real, though. I'm going to wait until it comes out again for the update. Because I'm not trying to buy that book twice sorry yeah no oh, I, you, got, you gotta be smart about these things like i i when oh, i first heard it costs a lot of money guys I know. The big yeah one. it does like they know like oh geez if we can take them for 20 bucks we can probably take them for 40 but, so let's do it yay and they all I, high five each did, other i did find out a really cool trick um there's this i don't know if they have them in canada i'm sorry but like we can find people in america who can help us that <laughs> there's this book store chain called books a million and apparently once a, a year they do the sale called a penny a page and so like you can buy if as long as there's stock of the book in that bookstore you can go to a books a million and they will count how many pages the book is and then will like one page equals one penny Whoa. so you can buy like you know a 400 four, or like a four 500 page book for like five bucks that's crazy oh yeah so, like, everyone who wants to buy, like, a big reference book that costs a lot of money. I don't know if I should be saying this, but, like, I don't – I'm not sponsored by them. Um, but <laughs> – hello, do you want to sponsor me? Uh, just kidding. Anyway, but, like, that's really cool. And I was I, – I found out about it after it happened this year. But I was like, I'm going to put that on my calendar because I'm not trying to – like, some of these books I want, like, cost a lot of money. <laughs> So I want to find a books a million and then like go to one of these sales because it would really help. Yeah, yeah, you got to jump on those sales when you see them. I wanna, I wanted to share the wealth with everyone, you know. 
Good tip. So, that is a good tip. Let us know if if you do see when that sale happens, just tweet the, tweet the daylights out of it. Let us know, and then we might ask you to buy books for us. <laughs> All right, let's let's uh, let's uh let's just talk about the thing that uh, you know they carefully held until the end, when of course they had no time to talk about it. But the rise of Kylo Ren four part series from Charles Soule. Uh, oh yeah. Oh man. It's probably one of my most repeated photos. <laughs> <laughs> what it, it it looks amazing like th- no doubt the biggest news out of this panel i mean really the only news out of this panel but uh I, I, they didn't they didn't really clarify i i assume it's going to be monthly but it could also be weekly leading up to rise of skywalker like it would make sense for this story to be done with by the time rise of skywalker drops right because there's only four issues it's a four issue mini series um so yeah it would make sense if they i mean it comes out in december so it might be one every week uh or they might drop it all together um i don't know it's oh you it's know it's probably gonna be monthly be because two at a time yeah maybe two at a time i doubt that but like the first tuesday of the month for like new comic book day is is december 3rd then the 10th then 17th and then the next is Christmas Eve on the twenty fourth. So I doubt they would launch then. And that that's all. That's post Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, I don't think I don't know if they would drop a new issue on the twenty fourth. No, just because it's Christmas Eve. And the week after is the is New Year's Eve. So I don't know. I mean, it's not it's not like the world stops on those two days, but it seems like a or they re- could release they could release issue one on the last week of November as a surprise. Yeah, maybe they move it back a week. I I really think they should have like I I don't want to be. I mean, of course, I still will, and I'll still freak out about it. But it, it's weird to me that in February and March we're still going to be in this story that I think I really think should have been like completed before Rise of Skywalker comes out. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, but like, does it though? are are we we that much in a rush to move past this i don't know you're maybe you're you're right michelle no i mean like just because like when we met kylo ren it was like in the force awakens so if it's like the rise of kylo ren like how far back is the story gonna go you think because like charles sewell said like his little unofficial like slogan for this comic that makes everyone in the Marvel side cringe, but he loves it is from Ben, the journey from Ben to Ren. So like he wasn't Ben when we met him and isn't like everyone's argument or like hypothesis about Kylo Ren is that like, he's going to end up as Ben solo or whatever. And like, or whatever his name is. And like, he, he's not going to be Kylo Ren at the end of the series. So like, technically, does it need to be the rise of Kylo Ren before? Like, does it have to? Because ha- like, it's basically going to start already from like a, a position. Behind, like, it's going to probably start before, not it's because like, I, I don't think it's the story takes place within the time period of the last story and this story, it probably goes back yeah. before to what we've already seen. So it's not like 
some of the story they're going to be telling in this comic isn't going to be stuff we already know anyway. So it's not like, does it have to be precious and like wait and like be done before the movie? Like, is it really that necessary? I don't know. Oh, probably not. not. Like, I don't think it's that. I mean, I don't think, I mean, yeah, it would be nice, but I don't think it's that big of a deal. And I know myself, even if it was coming out before the movie, I don't know if I would all of them before the movie, like watching the movie, I'd probably watch the movie first anyway. I don't know. Oh, for sure. Yeah, sense. absolutely. Uh, n- nothing stops seeing the movie. Uh, Marie, what, what was your uh, reaction to this? I, oh my gosh. <laughs> um, it's so, so exciting. I have wanted to know about the, I mean, I've pretty much everybody has wanted to know how he became Kylo Ren. So yes, uh, yeah, like what happened? How how did things go wrong? What yes. was what was going on in the academy? Like what secretly was going on that Luke had no clue about? Yeah, so, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I wonder is when is, your is, mother is Leia and your father is Han Solo and your uncle and like how does this nah? Like, I need to know this story. I feel like everyone wants this story. Is four issues enough to do it justice? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like this is much longer. Yeah. Right? Right? Like, yeah. this feels... This, this, that story feels novel to me. Yeah. Anyway, but I, I think... There, there was some co- some confusion, I think, because people looked at the cover and saw the Knights of Ren, and, um, you know... Kylo's wearing his cracked helmet on the cover, so okay, so this is set after the Last Jedi, but I I I think that's just the cover art. It may not, maybe he's not even the final cover art, and I I, no, I really I, do I don't think, think it's the final cover art. Yeah, I I, I I'm not sure about that, but I think it's going to be a, a flashback style story like we get with Galaxy's Edge and like we got with the first volume of, of Vader's Castle, where there's like there's a main story. But yeah. like the main thing, the main draw is uh, that that flashback story that that we're gonna get told. So, yeah, I mean, if he, if he's calling it Ben Teren, we're gonna go back to well before the Force Awakens. Yep. It's gonna go back to to Ben probably, likely at the, at the academy. academy. I hope. Yeah, because I, I, I somewhere yeah. somewhere yeah. I heard whispers or talk out loud talk that that Luke is in this as well. Yes. So that's uh, that. That's going to be really cool. I don't know if they can. It's really gutsy of them to do this, do that story in four issues. I wonder if it's four trade paperback issues, because <laughs> 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 that would be nice. That would be well. Yeah, when it comes to this story, and if it's Charles Soule writing it, Ooh, you can make it as yeah. long as Charles you want. Soul. Yes. I was in the front row for this panel, by the way, guys, and I was like dying inside. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, I got your picture from the panel. I was like, no, that's not your seat. <laughs> I was in the front row. I came, I went in like during the panel before, and I felt so uncomfortable because they were doing. It was like a Star Wars game panel. And I was like, I know I'm by myself and I have all these things, but I'm going to go and sit in the third row. So I sat in the third row. And then when people got up to leave for the gaming panel, I like literally sat in the front row for this panel. And I was like, oh, 
It was amazing. Everyone. Yeah, so you, you do what you got to do. <laughs> um, one thing they did not touch on. Actually, you know what? Before I get there, uh, the covers for Star Wars, the main run, issues 70 through 74, those look fantastic. And I just I just want to shout out uh, issue 74 itself, where it's Chewbacca and Darth Vader in like a wrestling yeah. style grapple. Oh my god. The room yeah. erupted with excitement oh, when this man. dropped. Everyone was like freaking out. It was so cute. And um, I also, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I can't wait to read that story. Oh, man. I, you know what? I would be all kinds of, like, nervous to read that story if I didn't know Chewie would, would be fine. Because that, I mean, that that is, that is, like, seeing Chewie, like, I always wondered what would happen if Chewie faced Darth Vader. And not that the cover always is totally indicative of what you get in the comic. Yeah. But, man, that's. Just the visual itself to see that those two squaring off. Good enough for me. I'm happy. Yeah. And at the top of the comic, it does say Rebel and Ro- Rebels and Rogues, Bookie versus Sith. So <laughs> he might not be fighting Vader himself, but um, he will be fighting Sith. So that that's cool. That is um, super cool. And you know what? Issue 73, when I first saw the picture, it was on my phone. It was really small. It was actually off like the uh, the projector screen that, that was at the panels off your your image michelle uh-huh. and i was for us for one second and i was like wait a sec issue 73 it's it's there's a lightsaber ignited on the cover and there's somebody's reflection in this in the metal of the of, of the lightsaber and for one yes. second i thought that was ahsoka's face and it was that we were looking at her saber and it was luke looking back at her i thought we were getting that ahsoka luke meeting that i've been dying for but it, I don't. That's that's Luke's saber. That's not Ahsoka's face. So I digress. No, <laughs> oh. my dreams are dashed. A lot of really good Ahsoka cosplays. They were good. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you can do a, the Ahsoka cosplay right, it's it is a a, a work of art. Uh, um, let's complain about really Project is. Luminous. <laughs> 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 I mean, I guess it was. I would love to because I was there. But it, I guess it was a given, right? Like we knew that Justina Ireland and Claudia Gray weren't there, so were they really going to talk much about it without those two? No. No, right? Like, honestly, I didn't expect to hear anything. Um, I thought maybe they would tell us like when they would be able to tell us something. Like, well, it's, it's got to like, be D23. You don't even tell us anything now, but will you let us know when you can tell us? Or, or if like, just, that's all I wanted. That's the only information. Like, how much longer do we need to wait until we find out? I mean, they clearly <laughs> yeah. have enough now to tell us, right? Like, there's. I'm sure they do. Of course they do. I mean, they could have told us at celebration if they wanted, but they didn't. They and they've been teasing it every so often ever since. It's driving me nuts. But uh, there's D23, and the other option I think is New York Comic Con. I think those are the two places that it'll be D twenty three. I hope so. I mean, Marvel owned San Diego Comic Con, and I hope Star Wars really takes a spotlight well, for, Mar- with D twenty three. Marvel isn't going to be at D twenty three this year. Um, they pulled out, so it's mostly Star Wars and Disney content this year. 
Yeah, I mean, because they, they've got to get marketing going for Mandalorian, for Rise of Skywalker, yeah. and, and the, the yeah. streaming service, so it's, let's let's go. It's going to be heavily focused on probably Disney, Pixar, and and Star Wars, because there's the Marvel isn't, they're doing just, they just did San, San Diego Comic-Con for most, they're, they did, they released all of their next Phase 4 information and release schedule and then they're saving probably release dates for things like fantastic four and things like that for new york comic-con but they're not going to d23 this year i got through a reliable source so um yeah i'm it's i'm pretty sure d23 is going to be extremely star wars heavy because there was really the only really big there weren't that many big things for star wars at um comic-con this year because they pulled out and benioff and weiss pulled out of comic-con last minute (laughs) um 30 minutes before their panel so uh or something and so i yeah there was literally like no star wars uh there was star wars publishing but yeah and then some game stuff but not so much anything else now marie let me ask you this um with them continuing to tease project luminous does it does it make you think that whatever this project is is bigger than they've even let on because they seem to be they're saving it they're saving the reveal for a specific time and date does it make you yeah. think it's it's an even bigger deal than what maybe we're, we're thinking yeah i mean that would make a lot of sense um and it there's just so many authors involved um, yeah, it, what if it's even, like, beyond print media, like, like other a, a cross-platform thing. Yes. Yeah, I, w- that would be interesting. That would be crazy. And it, it would be super effective, I, because 2020 is kind of void in terms of Star Wars content, except for The Mandalorian and Clone Wars. Right. So why not? Why not give us this big project and and drag it out over multiple platforms, get people involved? Yeah. Anyway, I we... was always team writer's room. What's that? I, I my dream is that it's a writer's room and they're creating like original content. I think that was that's been my official position. Yes, you mentioned. Yeah. Last time we spoke, you did yeah. mention that. Mm-hmm. that that's my dream. I don't know how true that is, but it's my dream that it's like a writer's room because I want uh, the most. <laughs> that would be, yeah, that would be pretty cool. Anyway, they keep teasing it. They're not giving us details. They're saving it. So this, uh, this better be huge. Like when, when we get together to talk about project luminous, like we better be like screaming. It better be big now because if it's anything less than like what we're expecting, like they've they've built it up at this point and they're like they're fanning us with this. They're melding up, they're building it up even more and more and more. So it better be really huge or else we're all going to be like that was so ridiculous. Like why are they making this like that? Like, like uh, imagine they just go, "Hey guys." And we're like, "Oh, it's just that? Really? That's so boring." Like it can't be like that. They have to make it worth it now. Yeah, yeah, like imagine they, they come out and go like, remember that uh, from a certain point of view we did for A New Hope? We're doing it for Empire. And these are the people <laughs> doing it. Like we'd be like, yay, I guess. Like, But you already did that. Like I don't see why you had to like be so hush-hush about it. 
Yeah, no, this yeah. it's it's gonna be much much bigger. So let let's hope you know D twenty three is a month from now, so we don't have that much longer to wait. And we you know what what, it, what else we didn't get was the who's getting the novelization for Rise of Skywalker. We just don't know. And and Jason Fry wasn't at uh, SDCC, but he tweeted I think on Friday. He he asked out loud on Twitter, "Who's doing the noveliza- novelization for Episode 9? And people thought he was being cagey. And they're like, ah, oh, it's you, isn't it? And he's like, no, it's really not me. I, I, I don't know. I'm asking. So we don't know. But uh, I think we can rule out anybody associated with Project Luminous, which takes Claudia Gray and Charles Soule out. And, of course, Justina Ireland and Lou Anders. There's another name I'm missing. I, I apologize. But Alexander Freed is tied up with, with Alphabet Squadron novels. I'd be happy to have Jason Fry back, but uh, Marie, yeah. do you have an author in mind? Like, who would you like to see? Well, my author was actually Jason Fry, so <laughs> um, because the Last Jedi novelization was amazing. It's so good. It filled in so many gaps and told like every bit of the story that you didn't realize you needed to know. Told that. And it was, oh, it was so good. I loved that novelization. It's really good. It, it made me question so. the movie a little bit because you're right. Like, there's so much good stuff in there. Like, everybody always says, like, a movie should stand on its own. It shouldn't need extra material to prop it up. And, I, of course, I, I love um, The Last Jedi as it is. But there's so much in the novelization that I was like, man, this could have helped so many people with their, with the issues they have. Why isn't this somehow part of the movie? Yeah. What about you, Michelle? Do you have an author in mind that you'd like to see do episode nine novelization? Um, I mean, all my favorite authors are tied up. That's uh, yeah, tough, right? Like, I me, would, same here. I mean, honestly, to be honest, I would like to see someone new like that um, is in the sci-fi writer community that hasn't broken into Star Wars yet. Like, I'd be into seeing someone kind of join in. Um, that would be interesting to me. Uh, that would, that I, think, be I think it's probably pointed in that direction, to be honest with you. like Yeah, the- I have a feeling that it might be. Like, maybe they'll hire, like, a, um, a woman or someone to write it. And, like, I don't know. I think, like, they're adding a lot of diverse women to their author group um, right now. Uh, so... Yeah, that would be cool. It would be cool because like a lot of people were hoping that there'd be at least a woman on the writing staff for nine once once Colin Trevorrow was yeah. booted out. Like, okay, now, now come on, get a get a woman in to write Ray's finale. Let's go. And then they didn't. So maybe to do it with a novelization yeah. would be a smart idea. I don't know. Just, yeah, I just think saying. it would be. Right. Yeah, I think it would be really beneficial to have a woman writer write, like wrapping up this part of the story um especially because this movie is also being like very heavily marketed as leia's movie and i think like there are two huge female storylines that um and if you think about other characters i mean there's more but like the very big two of leia and ray you know wrapping up and i think it would really benefit from a female perspective not saying that i don't like some of the male 
writers' versions of these characters, and you know they were created by men, but well, mostly. But like you know, I I think it would be be a really great emotional payoff um, for a reader. Yep. Uh, so I would I would I would really love that. Um, you know, that would be my my thought. Yeah. No. That that would make sense. That would make sense for sure. All right, uh, let's uh, let's do this now. Let's we've been sitting on this for a long time. Our our thoughts on Queen's Shadow. This book came out. Jeez, I want to say even like maybe in the winter. I'm, I I've lost track. I don't I even know. But we, 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 <laughs> I think it was like February or something. We've been meaning to maybe. talk about it for a while, and we've got this voicemail here from Rick, and he totally didn't send this weeks ago. He sent this weeks ago. I'm sorry. He, this I've been sitting on this voicemail for so long. Rick, it thank came you, out man. March fifth. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> We're like five months behind the eight ball here, but that's fine. Uh, that just gave us more time to break it down. So let's uh, let's listen to Rick's voicemail, and it, it, it'll be like having a fourth person on the show because it's it's a great voicemail, and we'll use that as sort of a springboard. Uh, into our our chat about Queen's Shadow. So let's do that now. Hey, Kyle and Tom Link Sabres. This is Rick in Chicago. Just wanted to give you a little bit of my review for Queen's Shadow. I just finished it maybe 15 or 20 minutes ago, took some notes, and um, here's what I got for you. So overall, the book in and of itself is more about personal relationships and politics than it is about the straight action that we would see in most Star Wars books. Um, the book starts with three, the election of the new queen um, and Padme stepping into her senatorial role. role. So there's a lot of politics in this book, um, but not in a way that drags down the story. The politics are used to see different characters' motivations um, and a lot of those characters jump right into um, motivations and characteristics that we see in the Clone Wars. I mean, a Bonteri, Bail Organa, um, and a handful of others. Um, so the big crux of the book has to do with Padme and her handmaidens, um, Sabe, Corde, Verse, Erte, um, the other ones that I can't remember right now, um, and how they deal with uh, some of them not being in Padme's direct periphery, um, but the few that stick along with her and how they help her in her transition to um, take on more of her senatorial duties. Um, and we see that those relationships and how strong just they are together. Um, so that brings us to a very common Star Wars trope um, of the found family. Um, and this is very prevalent in this book with the way these young women work with each other um, over the course of, uh, of the story. Um, you also get the sense that Palpatine's fingerprint, his machinations are on the periphery of the book. You know, the book starts off with a little feeling that he is impatient about something, but we don't really know what yet. 
Um, so there's little stuff like that. Again, there's lots of nods to the Clone Wars and, and a lot of characters there. The book exists almost as a standalone um, in that a lot of what's in here I don't feel affects a lot of the story later on in the movies. Um, as an example, like there aren't a lot of mentions of Anakin, things like that. Um, so the book is very much a character study of Padme and her closest uh, friends and confidants and uh, how they all get along together. So a couple of other little quick notes. I'm not going to get spoilery into the terms of the story in and of itself, but there's some cool little nods in there. We see things about Padme's family, her parents, and her sister. Um, we see um, some things with Panaka um, that relate to the Princess of Leia, Princess of Alderaan book. Um, we see a small scene with the pilot Rick Ollier, um, and kind of explaining his absence in the stories uh, in episodes two and three, and uh, some of the things that happen with R two D two that kind of explain his presence um, in the later movies and why he's with Padme um, in the beginning of Attack of the Clones specifically. So the book doesn't touch much of Attack of the Clones as it exists kind of right in the middle in that four or five year gap. I'm sorry, in like the fifth or fourth or fifth year after the Phantom Menace. So, uh, you know, you're not going to get some very deep connections, um, you know, story beat for story beat from one movie to the other um, concerning the book. But that said, I will say that I do recommend this book. It is very well written. E.K. Johnston put together a story where, in her own words, I heard her say that she weaponized a lot of things um, that women, young women might be ostracized for um, in other stories. Um, it was very cool to see how these young women work together, how they form their own alliances, how they then branch out um, and deal with the larger uh, ramifications of the political spheres in Star Wars and on Coruscant. So it's not a straight action, pew-pew Star Wars kind of book. There's a lot of relationship building. And for me, I'm recommending it for that because it is different from your standard Star Wars book. I think it tells a different kind of story within the larger context of Star Wars. And I think it does immense justice to the character of Padme and seeing the strength of her character in, I guess, what would be some later formative years as she's growing more into her own womanhood prior to the events of Attack of the Clones. So all that said, if you have the time, go out, pick up this book, read the audio book if you can. It's um, narrated, it's read by Kat Tabor, who voiced Padme in the Clone Wars series. Um, the cover of this book is stunning. I find myself staring at this thing if I'm just sitting on the couch. And um, yeah, there's not much more I can say to that. So I hope you all do pick up this book. I hope you do enjoy it. And if you don't, well, not everything's for everybody. So that said, I will see you all soon or talk to you soon. May the force be with you. All right, there goes Rick. And Rick, thank you so much, man. That was an excellent, excellent voicemail. That's going to serve as our starting point for this conversation. Um, I think first up, um, I, 
Rick's Rick's opening point about about this book being more about personal relationships and and politics rather than like the pew pew Star Wars action type. Yeah, thing, that is on point. And yes, yeah, I think it should have been expected from from the get go with this, and especially if if you read um, Ahsoka from E. K. Johnston. That that I mean, it had a little bit of action in it, but not a huge amount. So I, I think. I think E.K. Johnson now has sort of a set style. And this was totally like like Ahsoka, like the Queen Shadow, she is she's very strong on uh writing character stories. Would you guys agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. And not just Padme's character, but the handmaidens characters as well. Oh, I love them. Yeah. And the the um guards also. Oh, yes. So many of the characters got a lot of um, screen time, per se. Yeah, Tom. Um, yeah. You know what's funny is, is that um, Tonra, it was, it was easy to, easier now to put a face to that name because he was played by, I think, Richard Armitage is, is the actor's name. But he was in the Peggy Carter miniseries. As the guy, I can't remember his character's name now, but he oh was the guy. Oh my god, you're right. The guy who walked he with a limp. Uh huh. And the guy who, had a, who oh, obviously yeah. had a crush on Peggy. That guy is Tonra in, in The Phantom Menace. He must have, he must have been in his early 20s in, when, he, when he shot that. Maybe even younger. But there you go, that, that's, that is Tonra. Crazy, right? Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, that was cool. I like him. Yeah, like what's what's your take on on a, on a book that zones in more on personal relationships rather than sort of blowing out the plot line to to uh, be this big epic Star Wars type thing? Are you guys comfortable with uh, with the novels being more character focused? I'll, I'll, go, I'll go to you first, Marie. Yeah, um, it was it was interesting. Like I noticed it as I was reading it that there wasn't much of a normal plot. There wasn't a really a climax and a denouement and like all these parts that you would normally find in a book. But I didn't feel like it hurted hurt hurted. I don't feel like it hurt <laughs> for that at all. Um, I. Because I, I just loved all the different character studies in it, and the seeing Padme become a senator, how she became a senator, like what different parts of her personality she had to modify and change, and what different tactics she had to change to be able to be effective as a senator. Yeah, because I mean, so, she, like, I think we kind of assume that Padme is good at everything all the time right away, and she was not super effective at the start. Like, she was not ready for the the red no. tape that comes with being a bureaucrat. Like, it, it drove right. her nuts. Yeah, yeah. Seeing her frustrated was interesting because in in that in that context, um, because she's just I don't know. I feel like this strong. Um, visual or lasting image that I have of her as being so like I know she she struggled a lot but she is so sure of herself so like seeing that beginning of 
feeling uncertain at times was really interesting to listen to for me because I listened to the book, but yeah. Yeah. It it put Padme. I mean, I guess some of that comes through in Phantom Menace, but she's 14. What do you want? But yeah, Yeah. she was super unsure of herself in this book. Yes. And I I think, um, you know, you alluded to the handmaidens. Like it was really cool to jump into the different handmaidens and some of them sort of, went their their ways early on in the book and we didn't really hear much from them anymore but we spent a ton of time with uh, with sabe sabe yeah and, uh erude what was her name er- erude irte erute erute yeah i keep thinking erudite when i hear her name so <laughs> it's erute uh-huh. those two yeah and that, and that was i mean I, I guess Sabe's plotline in this was was sort of to, again, to be Padme's right hand, to do the things that Padme wants to do but doesn't have time to do. So she was she was taken on the task of of freeing slaves on Tatooine, which, which is a great callback to the Phantom Menace when Anakin says, um. "I want to come back to free the slaves." It, it it's really nice because uh, Anakin in in Attack of the Clones he said. Like, oh, she, it's been 10 years and she's forgotten me completely. And <laughs> this book lays it out that that is not the case. Like, she she still does think about Anakin, not as future husband so material, awesome. but she remembered that little boy. And she remembered that he wanted to free all the slaves. And so she took that up as a cause. Not, not because of Anakin, but because it was the right thing to do. And then, yeah. of course, that, that trail went cold, right? She, Sabe went to go see um, Shmi's old old house, but it had like the, the white sun insignia the sun. on the door, which yeah. which is Baru's last name. Like a, a white sun was on the... I was like, what is going on with this? Like, obviously she's over with Baru and Owen. That, yeah, that, that part hmm. wasn't very clear to me. I don't know if it was meant to be murky or the, if I read it wrong, but I was... Uh, no, I I thought that part of the of the book sort of fell flat. Which, which part specifically that that she Sabe wasn't able to save the slaves, or that she didn't find what part of it? Yeah, like like both ends of it. Like I just I just thought that was like like what, what? she went to go free slaves, and then it didn't work out. Um, yeah. And then, like, she found Shmi's house, but then was like, oh, well, what does that mean? I don't know. And it just sort of just, like, trailed away. Let's go back to Coruscant. I gotcha. Weren't they looking for, like, her mom or, like, her like someone? Hmm. Like, I, I remember them anymore. having a conversation where Sabe was like, I couldn't find her. I lost her. Like, oh yeah, yeah, that, left or something. I took that like, to mean that they were looking for Shmi Skywalker. Oh, okay. yeah. I thought they were looking for someone else for some reason, but maybe I was just like confused. That part, maybe it was confusing. That part, I thought I had like understood it, but yeah, I don't know. 
because they were saying like the sun was there. It was only like they they had because I thought that it meant like b- between the time that she had been to the house and they were talking about it, like and one of them went again, the sun went up there. And then so like she had been there again, like between the time she had last been there. I don't know. It's confusing. It is confusing. (laughs) Did you guys pick up on the, uh, I wondered this, I actually wondered this going into the book. Is she going to slip in a sand joke? And she did. (laughs) 12 pages in, she made a little, a little snarky sand joke. Padme stopped, (laughs) Padme stopped to brush off her feet. They all halted with her. Sand, she said, by way of explanation. I was like, yes, <laughs> a little sand joke. <laughs> Why not? Love it. <laughs> I appreciated that sand joke. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. One of those little things that, that uh, go a long way. Yeah. Uh, how about Palpatine? I, for me, like whenever he enters the picture, it, in a way it almost becomes about Palpatine because he's so, so big to the saga. But he was, I, I thought she wrote him really, really well. Michelle, didn't she? Didn't E.K. Johnston have something to say about Palpatine in the panel? Yeah, she said he was her favorite character to write. Yeah, and she like she wasn't expecting that, right? Like she once she got to yeah, writing him, she, she was like, was "Whoa, really, this is fun." Yeah, yeah <laughs> she didn't. She really didn't expect that at all. She because she, she's written so many cool interesting characters and um she really loves Padme and the handmaidens and um I got when I was there on preview night Wednesday night I was able to buy uh the Queen's Shadow exclusive edition Comic-Con cover oh. uh, book and she signed it for me and she was there and I got to talk to her a little bit and I told her that we were going to be talking about the book on our podcast and um and I you know told her I was like I hadn't finished reading it, unfortunately, but I was going to read it this weekend. And we talked about the audiobook, and um, we were talking about, you know, Padme and Hammings and how much she loved writing them. Um, but yeah, at the panel, she said that writing Palpatine unexpectedly was her favorite um, character to write. And a lot of the people on the panel were excited about that. Um, but yeah, I think it has, he's written really. It's just so uh, captivating the way that she writes him in this book. Uh, And um, it's really well done. It's not heavy handed. It's like just the right amount. Um, And he was was there like in the early going in that first act. And it's just there to set the hook. And like, you're like, oh, man, here he is. And you get this sense like it was a part of Palpatine. Maria, I'll ask you to pick up on this. He, they talked about something like she could tell that something was bothering Palpatine. Padme could, that like mm. getting the sense that something wasn't, things weren't moving quickly enough for him. Like, what do you, what do you make of of Palpatine like being frustrated about his plan? His evidently his plan wasn't going the way he had hoped. Hmm. It's, it's kind of a tough one because it's like what what yeah. what aspect <laughs> what aspect of your plan are you not happy with here, Sheev? Well, at I mean, at this point, he must have been um, 
like Dooku was already his apprentice by this point, I would think, because those moments when Mina Bonteri was talking on the the communicate holo communicator and said my lord when she hung up and i assumed that was dooku that she was talking to so i feel like the separatist movement was already getting started so how it seems like palpatine's plan would have been moving right along with the separatists getting riled up in the yeah. beginnings yeah, of like, that so I, I don't know it it took me by surprise the way the way she uh, johnson sort of framed um palpatine to me like i i thought he was very comfortable with this long game and everything was going yeah. exactly according to his plan to his timeline but uh bits and pieces about it clearly weren't i mean i think the only thing that i was aware of that he wasn't particularly thrilled with was was the construction of the death star like that took 30 years or whatever it is. Yeah. Or 20 years. But, you know, everything else I thought was okay. But uh, like, do you think Palpatine, the, 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 the queen that succeeds Amidala, I forget her name, starts with an R. Relata? Yeah. Relata. So she seemed to be somewhat adversarial. Or at least uh, kind of like the opposite of Padme. Yeah. I I wonder if Palpatine had anything to do with her election. Because it felt like they... We know from Attack of the Clones that they tried to get... The the people of Naboo tried to get Padme to stick around longer. Right. But it it couldn't happen. And I wonder if Palpatine sort of maneuvered behind the scenes to... No, no, I need her out because I've got a a plan for her. I'm going to get her together with that kid from the Sand Planet and she can't be... She can't be queen if I if I wanted to do that. So she's she's got to get out. I I wonder if, if Palpatine's machinations run that deep. But there, she did say that she believed in term limits, which is why, like, they wanted her to stay, but she didn't want to because she thought it was better that she left. Yeah, there was a line in it that where she said that, where Padme said that. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. What else have I hear? Oh, one th- one thing I liked. There was there was a little another little Easter egg that uh, that they that EK worked into the book, which I thought was fantastic. It was all kind of coming together for me because as I was uh, reading the book, I was also playing Battlefront Two, <laughs> and I had I had only just finished the Naboo levels. Um, which featured like the, the the big ion pulse weapon in in Thieves oh. City. Oh, so that that that's we- so cool. That, that is cool, yeah. And it's that that type of dot connecting that I was talking about earlier in the podcast, where it's like I yeah. love when they can get these things to sync up, and they talk pretty extensively about the ion blast <laughs> in Battlefront Two. And I was like, well, where's that come from? And here, then, then I read Queen's Shadow, and it's like, oh, this is what sort of drove a wedge between uh, Padme and Captain Panaka. Yeah, like right. he he wanted. I think Panaka wanted a better army, but Padme was no. We'll be fine with this Ion Pulse. I think that I think that was sort of the dynamic that those two had, and I, and I like that. That's right. sort of how 
cold water was poured on their relationship and you know he panaka went away his wife kind of stepped in for a while as um I don't know if she was the acting captain, but she was she was high up on Padme's list of, of, of entourage, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh let's see, what what else we got here? Oh, more assassin assassination attempts on Padme. Right. <laughs> the mouse droid. The mouse yeah, the mouse droid. So that's that's how they introduced uh Bail Organa, right? Yes. I I, uh-huh. I thought his intro was a was a little bit weird. It, it was. It, it was made him weird. seem so like devious. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. like kind of creepy. It was so weird. Yeah, because she Padme had given her her itinerary had sort of been uh, hacked, sort of, and and she was going to go to this official function at a the the, the rendezvous spot was sort of changed but she thought okay this is all official my droid's gonna drive me there and then when she got into the building it's empty and she's like this is weird why is this all seems very off and the only person in that whole part of the building to warn her away was bail organa that's how we meet him it felt really strange like why was he there (laughs) (laughs) yeah I i thought it was just like way too convenient of a way to bring him into a story and then like throughout the story like it was i think it was still pretty cool to see that relationship kind of grow like they weren't best friends off the bat like neither was padme best friends with mon mothma like they were all kind of i bale and mon mothma were probably closer but when padme got involved she had to she had to kind of earn earn her place with with those heavyweights right definitely yeah wasn't it she was climbing that tree in the garden and then Mom Mothma, like, was it Mom Mothma or Bale who saw her climbing the tree and was like, you can get down. <laughs> it was one of those two. <laughs> yeah, the tree. <laughs> and they were like, you know, we, we know what you're doing. And they kind of, that kind of broke the ice. Yeah, you're right. I, I don't remember the exact detail, but I, that, that that was kind of weird. <laughs> um, one of the things that uh, I, I, this has been sort of like a, a, a big talking point in fandom once the book came out, it, it makes it evident that body doubling with, with Padme and Amidala, with the Handmaidens, it could fool droids, it could, could you know fool people and security systems. But it never fooled Qui-Gon for a minute. And Padme just straight up admitted that. Yeah. Because I never knew. to this, Like, until I read this, I didn't really know for sure. Like, did Qui-Gon know or didn't he know? Because it, it, I never thought it was very clear in The Phantom Menace. And I, he does I, give that little smirk. Yeah, but I never... I Like, do you that read that as warm. like a, ha I knew and you guys did not she got you. Or was that sort of like, oh, she got us all. Like, I don't know what kind of That's smirk true. that was. That's true. That's true, yeah. I never really knew. But now we know. Like, yeah. he knew all along. So when he says, uh, when he, he kind of snapped at her on Tatooine saying, uh, the, the queen trusts my, trust my judgment. You should too. Yeah. Like he, he was 
He knew exactly who he was talking to then. <laughs> Qui-Gon just wasn't having it. Uh, there was one scene in particular that kind of stood out to me. I think it was in, it was in Chapter 16, and it was Padme talking with Brea Organa, Bale's wife, about motherhood, and, and neither had kids at that point. But they were both they were both like speaking of the future as if as if kids would be part of their futures. And then only after I, I went through the scene did I realize that holy cow, like that was Leia's actual mom talking to Leia's adoptive mom. Yeah. And that like That's I I so went back. Emotional. I, yeah, I'm pretty I, sure I teared up. <laughs> I was like, I was oh so my emotional. god. <laughs> I, I had to like go back. I'm like, wait a sec. That's that's like that's pretty big. Like even if they don't talk about anything earth shaking, those are two people that are going to be connected in a way that they just they have no idea. Right. And so it, you're right. It was super emotional to to go think ahead. Like that's the woman that is going to raise Princess Leia. So yeah, that, that that's that. if if anything I take out of that book, I I'll take that conversation. Yeah, and it's it's cool to like know too that like to think that she had that conversation in her mind while she was probably raising her and like you know just being able to to reference that like you know to like keep that alive while raising that person's child is like I don't know it just like gave this like heavy weight to to it that was like hefty emotional weight it yeah. was intense yeah that was, a, that was a gut check moment for sure yeah um going back to palpatine for a sec like the, there's a couple of like we, we had um a couple of young politicians <clears throat> besides padme there was there was bon terry right yeah right the one who liked her yeah, jeez, oh, did he ever, <laughs> dude? <laughs> dude, step off, man. Wait, you talking about Rush Clovis? Was it Clovis? Yeah, Red Baron Rush Clovis was the the guy Baron. who was um, after her. And I thought from the Clone Wars TV show that they had had an actual relationship. Like that's what the Clone Wars TV show presented to me. And then in this book, you're like, oh, that is not what was going on. Yeah, because he, he just he just totally made a move. He totally yeah. misread the room with her. Oh, yeah, yeah. What a guy! What a chump! <laughs> I'm glad uh, Anakin, Anakin stabbed him through, through the chest, right? He fought him pretty intensely. I can't remember exactly what happened in the fight, but it was kind of disturbing. There was, there, was a, there was a guy in, in one episode of, of the Clone Wars where Anakin just stabbed the guy from behind through the chest. I can't remember if that was Clovis. Oh, <laughs> He's like, what? He was going to blow us up. Someone, someone listening oh, knows. Um, anyway, so all these junior senators, like they, they, were, they were all kind of mired in busy work, right? Like just, just stuff that, not like red tape, but just the work that they wanted to do they could never get to because there was all this other crap that needed to get done first right uh, like was what was your read on this guys was it was that the 
Republic system as it always was, and that that's why it was mm. so rotten? Or did Palpatine sort of, is that another one of his things, where he was just going to... Orchestrate it. Yeah, orchestrate it so that nobody could ever get anything done and disillusionment, disillusionment would grow for the Republic. I don't know where I sat on that, but I, it's possible, right? Yeah, I mean, Padme tried to get on that uh, committee that would right, help deal with it. slavery, and he basically told her no. Yeah, so yeah, he's like, oh, I, I, you're, I, I better need you. I need you more over here. And she's like, well, why, yeah, why do I have to go there? But it does, it does feel like Palpatine's fingerprints are there. And just sure. Make, making sure nothing changes and just making everybody sort of annoyed and fed up with, with the way the Republic works. And I love how she used the different um, mundane legislations and transformed them into things that were more impactful. I thought that was really mm-hmm. cool. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think the thing that kept coming back to me in this book, and maybe maybe both of you will, can can speak more to this, um, like I guess the book revisited the idea over and over that uh, through through the like the, the what was it, the Hollownet News or Trinebulon News does that service. Painting Padme in the, the reports as as a dummy, <clears throat> like she's this young girl in politics. She doesn't belong here. She's she's. It was trying to like scandalize her, yeah, and discredit her. And I thought, you know, this is this probably resonates with a lot of women reading this book. The idea that well, you're a woman, so you can't you can't be effective, right? Like you don't belong. And I I, I thought that for a long time reading the book that this is Padme you're talking about. Like you can't, you can't easily discredit this woman, but they tried. So what, what did you, did you guys, did you guys pick up on that plot line or that, that undercurrent? Yeah. Um, I, I really like how the way EK Johnson treated it, where like her clothing was actually, a weapon basically or like armor protective armor and the decoys were a form of a weapon and and all these different kinds of things so even though it showed um the the news people saying that she was ineffective and ridiculous and just making up all these crazy stories about her that in reality she wasn't i thought that was really really cool well i've i've i it was a shorter book so i'm, I'm kind of out of things to say on, on queen's shadow uh is there anything else you guys wanted to throw in there there is one thing i wanted to say i thought it was neat that uh the book connected to leia princess of alderaan in a couple places where it talked about Breha's pulmonodes, and that was something that was discussed in Leia Princess of Alderaan, and also Apenza Peak, 
was mentioned, which was the peak that Leia had to climb to prove that she was worthy of being the heir of Alderaan. So having those couple of like trivia bits that were in this book that were also in that book, I thought was kind of cool. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. That is cool. So, uh, Michelle, I'll start with you. Would you, I know you haven't quite finished, but would Mm -hmm. you, to this point, would you, would you recommend to your friends, to other listeners to pick up Queen's Shadow? I would recommend uh, picking up the audiobook. Uh, I listen, I'm listening, I'm almost done um, listening to the audiobook. And it's really, really great. Um, they, they, it, it doesn't just it sound like a regular audiobook. They play music and the Star Wars theme song, and it's like they play the score. And they, um, when they're in space, they make it sound like you're in space, like in a vacuum. And there's like sound effects and birds chirping and people talking when they're in a nightclub. And um, yeah, it's really, really great and evocative and it kind of sets the mood. So um, I don't know how I, I would feel about reading reading the book, um, because now once I read the book, I'll think about the audiobook while I'm reading it. So it's <laughs> always going to make the book like special for me, um, just because it is like I really do like that it's very character based and it's a lot of talking between rooms and plotting and things like that and um i don't know how that would read as well uh in a book um but i think it's very uh, compelling on audiobook and so i would recommend it for sure and how about you Marie? especially if you love leia <laughs> <laughs> um absolutely i even though it was not the a normal set up for a a novel it still was really really cool just getting those that character study of Padme as she went from being a queen to a senator and it just kind of made her more realistic and and make her path make more sense and I thought it was great I loved it yeah I'm I'm right there with you I would recommend this to anybody who if you if you're okay with the idea of getting a character study first and foremost, this book you'll you'll be happy. Uh, if you are a Padme fan and you acknowledge the yeah. the gigantic lack of Padme stories, this book is for you. Um, it's not you're not going to get fast paced action and adventure. That's not in this book. Um, yeah, I mean, otherwise, it, it it's it's a good read. It's brisk. Uh, it keeps a good pace. I would have, Marie, you mentioned something off the top where uh, it's 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 not it doesn't carry itself like in a typical way where it, there's no climax really and there's there's no sort of uh, denouement as you as you mentioned. <clears throat> it just yeah. kind of it just kind of like that resolution or that that thing they were trying to do on that planet. They kind of fix the problem and then the book just sort of comes to a close. And that part was sort of weird to me. But what we get about from Padme and the relationship with her handmaidens uh, was, was terrific. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy I picked up the book and it's, it's definitely worth a read if, 
especially like Michelle gave gave the audiobook such a good endorsement. If you can yeah. get the audiobook. It's so good, you guys. It's so good. And like <laughs> when the character itself or themselves does the narration, it just makes it so much better. Like who wouldn't want to listen to Cat yeah. Tabor Padme doing the book? So uh, pick that fantastic. up if you can. Um, yeah. You know, we didn't talk about the prologue or the ep- sorry, the, the epilogue, which was oh. Sabe and Tanra. This is post Revenge of the Sith, right after Padme's death. And they're just like WTF, like beside themselves with because, I mean, what this book also does is really drive home how devoted mm-hmm. the handmaidens were to Padme, especially Sabe. Yes. Like she was willing to do anything for Padme. Yeah. Like it was almost almost sociopathic. But <laughs> Oh yeah. They're just like, totally Padme committed. was like they were all like, Well, Padme won't knows and she knows, so she won't she doesn't say she's careful about what she tells her because she knows she'll do it. Like it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like she she's That's fanatical scary. about Padme. Yeah. yeah. And um yeah, so after after Padme's death, like her and Tanra decide together that no, this is wrong. This does not make any sense. We're gonna figure out what happened to her. And that 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 promises a pretty juicy story. And I don't know if there's plans to follow yes. up on that, but can it end in any other way than disaster for those two? Huh? 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 I mean, yeah, it really no. can't, right? Like, mm-hmm. nope. The secret's not gonna get out. As to how they died, and I won't—I don't doubt for a second that together Sabe and Tanra could figure out what happened to her for real, but they won't survive to tell the story. Never. Yeah. I, and I wonder if that's a—that to me that's a story worth telling, but it's got—it's got to me a, a predefined and sad end. Yeah. Hey, put your smiles on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? I- like, I'd read it, I think. Oh, yeah. I also really liked how the very, very beginning of the book, the first, like, paragraph was the exact same as the first paragraph of the epilogue. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was so cool. Because when you're reading the very beginning of the book, you're like, wait a second, I recognize this scene. What is happening? And then you're like, oh, okay, well, this is happy. (laughs) And it's... Oh, it threw me off a little bit. I had to read it a few times, but then I was like, this is cool. And then when it came up again in the epilogue, I was just, oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was, that was good stuff there. Epilogues and prologues in Star Wars books always seem to be really good stuff. Yeah. All right. So there's three recommends for Queen's Shadow from E.K. Johnston. If you haven't picked it up yet, go do so uh, in either way audio or or text pick it up enjoy it and uh let us know what you think but we're done for this week episode 184 is in the books uh if you want to be a part of the podcast star wars news is light these days so send your questions into tumblingsaber at gmail.com and we'll answer them probably in the next episode if you want to get your question in uh special thanks to rick thank you so much sir for uh, so for your your review of queen's shadow and, and serving as uh, the wind beneath our wings for our conversation today. Uh, Rob, Mr. Rob Wade, we're going to thank him too for endorsing this episode as part of the E14 Endorse program, which you can learn more about 
at emotionally14.com. Go check that out to see what they're doing there, as well as at Talk Star Wars. And uh, Talk Star Wars is part of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network, which we are also a member of, which you can learn more about at StarWarsCommonwealth.com or on iTunes as a podcast provider. And with all that out of the way, Michelle, social media, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at tediously underscore brief and also on Instagram. You can also find my bookstagram and all of my uh, geeky, nerdy, booky TV, movie, Star Wars related things at Traveling Book Nerds on Instagram. Uh, and I'm on Facebook at Michelle Grandine. I think that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I think. A lot of places. A lot of places, yes. But Mich- I still maintain Michelle runs the craziest Instagram out there. it it is the the master class on how to run your instagram it works um marie where can we find you you can find me on twitter at alia morgan and i also write canon readers guides and other articles for beyondtheblastdoors.com beautiful and i can be found at tumbling saber on twitter and on instagram and uh yeah check out our our closed facebook group where we we talk star wars all all the time join us there love to see you there and uh, until then everybody thank you so much for listening to episode 184 hope you enjoyed it we'll speak to you again next week in episode 185 so have yourselves a great week may the force be with you and we'll talk to you later bye guys bye Static draws me closer to your place Willing me through my dreams fall away Signs blindly to the lines on your face Beating strong Drifting, not relive this dream over and over and over again. Please don't leave my heart broken, bleeding. Don't believe it. breathing if only to see you next to me sleeping soundly smiling not really this dream over and over
and find the strength that you gave. Those walls you build is all for me and I become the man I want to be your love and your road please don't leave my heart broken and bleeding now you're running now you're running away darling please don't Are you running away?